Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Annie Jackson, the co-founder and Chief Operating Officer at Credo. Welcome, Annie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. You know, it's been a wild ride, but we kind of just take each day as it comes and see what happens today. Yeah. Annie, you know, I have to ask, you know, obviously we've been asking all of these uh, founders and chief executives at, at various companies what the last um, couple of months have been like. What has it been like at Credo? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, in March, I remember that day, March 16th, very well, sitting in my dining room for the first time in complete denial. You know, we had never opened our, or closed our stores. They were, they were open seven days a week. And, and I, you know, as we started to talk about the different modeling that we would do, uh, to kind of get through this, I remember looking at a model that said our stores would be closed till June 10th and thinking, there's no way this is going to happen. I mean, there's just no way. And I, I often think back to that day because the amount of twists and turns and stressful, challenging circumstances we've gone through, it's tremendous. I mean, it's what a company would go through in five years. I feel like we've gone through in three months. So it's it's been like everyone keeps using the word unprecedented, but really there's no better word for it. When you started Credo about five years ago, what were you kind of thinking you were bringing to market? And now that clean beauty has become so mainstream in in this COVID pandemic, what has that illuminated for you? I think there's so much irony in what's happened. Um, at first, you know, Shashi and I started this company having come from Sephora. He was the president of Victoria's Secret Beauty, you know, big company experience. And, um, you know, it was pretty humbling to start Credo. You know, we were hounding some of these brands like Tata Harper, um, had to say, <laughs> you know, please respond to our email. And, you know, it was to try and gather up the brands for the assortment in the store. But we were, we were totally excited by this because we felt it was very disruptive, very similar to when we first started Sephora in the, in 97. You know, it was just this kind of, almost rebel edge to it, which he and I both really enjoyed. And it was, you know, getting people stirred up and talking about beauty in a different way, just like Sephora back in the late 90s, because it was all about open cell and indie brands. And we felt Credo was kind of a catalyst to that. And so, um, but we, we often fought against the misconception that these products couldn't be as efficacious and they couldn't formula-wise perform like conventional or be in the same kind of packaging that conventional beauty was. And so I think fast forward to now, that is really top of mind for customers now more than ever in the middle of the crisis that we're going through. And, um, you know, it's it's been something that's allowed us to really, which seems surreal to say, kind of thrive through this process. I think it's a twofold uh, situation where people are at home and if they were ever intrigued by this space, but living like too fast paced of a life to like stop and really think about it. Now they have more time in front of their computer to really educate themselves and read about the space. And I, you know, we've definitely gotten a new customer from this that is very intrigued by these brands. And um, Again, ironically, our size has allowed us to kind of thread the needle through this. Um, we don't have a field team that's hundreds and hundreds of people. 
it's 56 people. And so we've been able to keep them employed. We haven't laid anybody off. We've kind of refocused them on what we call Credo Live, which is our live chat. So, you know, I think what, what we often had challenges with as a startup company and being entrepreneurs and, you know, really wanting to be bigger in, in where we find ourselves now, it's, it's been, um, you know, the, really the best thing that could have happened for our business. Will you talk a little bit about, um, leaving Sephora back then? Because, you know, you and Shashi obviously had such a reputation, you know, people, you had dream jobs. People probably thought you were crazy to be leaving and doing this indie beauty concept, especially five years ago. Now indie beauty is blown up, but will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think now that I am older (laughs) and I look back on my career and the choices that I made, um, a lot of it had to do with being a parent, you know, really trying to balance, um, how to be a, a good mom and also be good at my job. And so I think that was a big piece of my decision. I traveled like 80% of my life when I was at Sephora, um, back in, in those days, I had what's called Sephora private label. And so I was often in either in France and at the same time we were opening stores in Japan and trying to run a startup company here in the States. So it was a lot. And um, while it was wild and exciting and fun, once little babies enter the picture, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, And also, I think it started to lose that startup feel. And now I recognize that that's really what fueled me. It's what fueled Shashi, that, you know, every day is different. And every day is this Jenga puzzle we have to try to figure out And we're hit with different challenges that, um, you know, you don't have tons of cash and tons of wherewithal to figure out. So um, once it started to become a little bit more corporate, it got kind of boring. And it took a while to figure out that we love startups. I mean, we just we love that um, scrappiness, the the challenges that we have. Um, That's really what fuels us. Oftentimes when we have new people that join Credo. I always say, you know, we're close to Silicon Valley. I think startups get a really bad rap um, because that's not what Credo is all about. We're not about like the 24-hour grind and there's no work-life balance and it's just go, go, go. We're not at all like that. It's uh, the startup is all about um, not knowing all the answers. We have no cookie cutter approach to anything and everything's a test and learn. And that's really what fires us up. Back then, clean beauty was probably a very nascent concept. In some circles, it still is. But, you know, this rapid acceleration that we're talking about now, is it just because you think of the health pandemic and the concerns around that? Is it the time spent that people have back? Like, what do you think that magic kind of formula has been these last four months? Well, I think we were always on the precipice. So pre-pandemic, I think the customer was very much at a place where... A couple of things were happening. Um, I think in her mind, corporate social responsibility was no longer a nice to have. She expected it. Um, and number two was really that there, she had a better awareness about certain chemicals and the impact it could have on her health and the health of the planet. Um, fast forward to now, you know, I think, um, health is what anyone is thinking about right now. And so I think if we, didn't have a customer before this and we do now, it's because she's really 
understanding that investment in health, uh, really educating herself on certain chemicals and how they could impact health or the environment. She is very intrigued by sustainability. And, you know, she is really driving this. She is willing to um, make make decisions for herself that are very conscientious because she's educated herself on it. So who is this newer customer that's kind of arrived to credo.com and then to some of the stores that are open now doing curbside? It's funny because, you know, they're with any business, there's always a pattern to everything. And every single day, day in and day out, those same categories of business do really well. The pandemic has been this wild roller coaster of um, really no pattern to anything. You know, in the early days, um, masking and exfoliation and kind of at-home skincare treatments, no surprise, did really, really well. Um, and it was kind of, you know, every day was a tiny bit different. I think what we're seeing now is newness is very important. It always is in beauty, but now more than ever to this customer, I think she's captive at home and waiting for new information, but you can launch a brand today on Credo that is average price point of $18 or average price point of $65. And she's a totally different customer. So um, I think we're seeing more Gen Zers come to market. And I think a lot of that is attributed to some of the new brands that have launched to the market today. And, you know, some more brands that are kind of more traditionally positioned that's potentially reaching an older customer. But we're not seeing like, you know, a pivot towards all entry price points. Uh, we're certainly not up here in the high, high price point. It's a really mixed bag today. and. Um, we know that newness represents a higher percentage than it has in the past for us and new customers. So um, we think it's all just a factor of what we're going through right now as, as a planet. What would you say is kind of creating that buzz amongst that younger customer, especially because it seems like some of these things are non-negotiable for them, whether it's sustainability or clean ingredients or corporate responsibility or all of the above. I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent to a Gen Zer. And so I know their patterns extremely well. Um, I think for a long time, Credo wasn't cool enough for her to shop in. Honestly, like the brand's aesthetic were very, um, it was super sophisticated and really beautiful and a little, um, intellectually way up here. And I think now, um, we are seeing this really interesting crop of brands come to market like um, Kinship and In Beauty Project that have a really entry price point. You know, they're like $18 to $20 and the products are packaged really sustainably. And the, the products that they're creating are, are, you know, speaking to that customer. They have energy and vibe and they're cool. And, you know, I remember when I uh, had uh, one of the lip tints from In Beauty on the bathroom counter, my daughter Hannah said, ooh, that's cool. And that's, Really, I mean, to be honest, not anything she ever said about any of the brands at Credo. You know, she's young. How old is Hannah? How <laughs> she, old is she's Hannah? She's 18 now. Right. So she knew. Yes, she knew. And so I'd often bring home brands and she'd kind of, you know, because it's just she was a kid and now she's growing up. Um, and but she still wants something that's cool. She's very much in TikTok land. And so, you know, she wants a brand that has that energy and vibe, but also, um, that Gen Z customer is totally in tune with sustainable packaging. 
and ingredients. Like she's like, why would you do anything different? Like, duh, it's a no brainer. So, um, I think, you know, it's all of that put together, you know, I would never, she, you know, just started a summer job and, you know, she goes off with the wax paper on her sandwich, like the reusable bag, like she doesn't, that customer has grown up that way. And there it's very, uh, top of mind for them. How would you say that plays up to millennials who kind of really, I mean, I'm a millennial, but I mean, I'm on the older side of it. I feel like this demographic is so much more confused and you can see that in their purchasing behavior and beauty. Yeah, I think um, the millennial was more um, of a conscientious customer. So she was empowering herself. I don't think um, clean beauty did as good of a job as we do today in terms of distilling the information down and not making it so overwhelming. You know, I think our customer, that millennial customer now, we know her better. She is more about, um, okay, if it's at Credo, that's good enough for me. I don't need to know all the nuts and bolts and really like dive into this really intellectually. And we still have that customer that's, um, you know, loves the emotional experience of buying a beauty product and, you know, the, the feeling it gives her to have a product that makes her smile and feel good but also liked to know that our staff was there as a resource from a more intellectual side. Like if I want to know more and understand this brand more and ask more about the ingredients, there's someone there to tell me about it. She's definitely our core customer, but the more millennial customer is like, I just want to buy something that's good for me. I'm fine to invest money in that. And it's good enough for me if Credo carries it. Annie, I think you guys have been so smart, especially with the brands that you carry in kind of taking them on this road that you're on, kind of seeing um, maybe the trend or the pathway forward, whether it be sustainability or the consumer-facing events that you've done, or kind of just creating standards within your four doors and the internet, obviously, (laughs) you know, for partners to say like, I'm going to take the extra step. I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this. I'm going to be more customer-centric in this. How has that played out? Because, you know, I don't know a lot of retailers now who are doing it without your kind of first step forward, you know, like obviously Sephora has clean now and target has their own clean standards, but you were one of the first who were really kind of putting these guidelines together that brands could participate in. Yeah. We, so the, the first tenant of Credo that really meant a lot to me and Shashi and still does was being a resource to our brands, not just being this retail, like we're the retailer, you're the brand, figure it out. And if you want to survive here, you're going to have to just work it out. That's not at all our approach. And um, we really wanted to be a resource for those brands. So you've got these awesome indie founders that came from different backgrounds, which is what made their brand positioning so unique and different and why it meant something to us as merchants. And But what they lacked back then was you know, a real um, understanding for how beauty worked and how to really push the right levers to make your business, you know, be successful at retail. So we wanted to help them with that. And what we didn't understand or um, probably underestimated was how much time that would take when we <laughs> were such a tiny team. So it was a lot of heavy lifting on our part. But what I will say is it totally solidified our partnership. We were partners. Like we don't just say you're our brand partners, like they're truly our partners. So when we, when we started Credo, we obviously had our restricted substance list, our dirty list, as we call it. And that was, you know, kind of the measurement of what we uh, vetted brands against. But we knew for clean to truly mean something, 
we really wanted to back it with an operational standard. So that's where we came up with the Credo Clean standard. And that's really, it took us 18 months um, together as brand partners and Credo to say, okay, here are some of the things we need you guys to do beyond just, you know, checking a box that you have no no um, ingredients from the restricted substance list. We need you to make sure that you're labeling your packages correctly, that you're backing up the claims that you're making, that you are, um, you know, using inky guidelines when you're, when you're actually putting um, names on your product, that you, if you are going to use the word fragrance on your package, that you at a bare minimum categorize it. So you, Priya, walking into a credo, don't have to guess I wonder if this is synthetic fragrance or this is natural fragrance. I really don't know. And you wouldn't be able to find out. It's a total secret, <laughs> but we'll actually give you even more kudos and more marketing if you fully disclose what's behind that word fragrance. So it's all these different things that comprised the uh, Credo Clean standard. But what it also told us about our brand community was that, you know, we're going to find out really quickly what brands are really walking the walk with us. Like who's out there, maybe clean washing or green washing and not really in this for all the right reasons to go through all these steps with us. And, you know, there weren't a lot, honestly, that fell out during this process. I think because of the way that we always approach things like this, these big endeavors um, to say, okay, everybody, here's our Credo Clean standard. We're going to take 18 months. We're all going to get there together and we're going to have a bunch of calls together and share ideas and resources. And we're going to do this. And we did. And so now we're approaching um, our sustainable packaging guidelines the same way, because it's if you are all aligned in your values and you are all actually truly trying to do better things and actually change an industry that so badly needs change and so much contributed to our horrible packaging problems then, you know, we're going to get there together because we truly all want to. So, um, you know, that's really the spirit of where we have a ton of success with the brands that we choose at Credo. You have to be open-minded. You have to really want to be in this space for all the right reasons because it's not going to be easy and there's going to be challenges and the challenges are big. How would you describe that kind of camaraderie that you have with the brands and the brands have with each other? Because in so many other environments, you know, you're taking shelf space away from someone else when you're succeeding, whether you're a makeup brand or a skincare brand, or and you have to set standards and levels to continue to be the best. You know, some people say in Sephora and Ulta, it's like, oh, this is the number one skew, make a product that looks just like this using your packaging, using your formulations to compete on that level. So will you describe that kind of environment in Credo? Yeah. Um, you know, we have always tried to have a really um, collaborative group approach to stuff. You know, um, our brands, a lot of the brands that we carry at Credo were introduced to us by other brands and other brand founders. And um, it's a very, it's a very different experience than I experienced at Sephora, for example. Um, it was definitely like, this undercurrent of like, you know, healthy, I guess, competition. Um, and you didn't collaborate or share ideas or anything like that. Um, that's not at all how it is at Credo. We do a lot of things together. Every store opening that we've had, 
uh, used to be these big, hopefully we'll get back to this someday, these big parties with all of our brand founders together. A lot of friendships have been born from this. I think we have a bunch of brand founders that have formed almost like their own. It's like a book club, <laughs> but they're not reading any books. Um, they're just sharing ideas and, um, you know, sharing resources with one another. That's incredibly important to us. You know, for us, what we're trying to do is really at the very beginning, give a platform to brands that are conscientiously formulating products the right way and working really hard to make them efficacious. So, you know, in order to do that, we need them to succeed. So we're going to work really hard to do that. And, um, you know, if it means sharing ideas and uh, helping each other out, that's what we're going to do. And, you know, we've seen it also now in this pandemic time more than ever as well, because even competitors, you know, we're talking to people that you would consider a competitor and saying, hey, what's going on with real estate? How are you talking to landlords? What is it looking like out there for you? There's an intense spirit of collaboration um, that's existed at Credo from day one. And it's been a really important part of our business and building this business. Speaking of collaboration, obviously the big news for you guys recently is this new partnership with Ulta. And I have to ask, you know, obviously Ulta has kind of tried to dabble in clean beauty and kind of been thinking about it. They're trying to put their stamp on the category. So why did this partnership make sense for you? Because you guys are kind of already the leaders in this category. Well, I mean, hugely flattering to us. I mean, still I'm pinching myself that this is even <laughs> happening because a retailer like Ulta to want to work with someone like Credo, I mean, it's it's huge. Um, but I also know that now after working with them for some time, th- our values are totally aligned. I mean, we are, they, they are a very genuine team and they um, really have been very thoughtful about how to um, approach clean beauty. You know, I was a merchant in conventional beauty land. I was at Sephora. And I often think about as my experience of building Credo, if I was sitting at my chair at Sephora, how would I do this? It's challenging. You know, you don't want to disparage the brands that you have and you've worked so hard to build. Um, you know, if, if there was an awareness about certain chemicals when they had created those brands back then, they wouldn't have created them the way that they did. It's just that, you know, there's a, there's a better awareness now. And um, I think if they could go back in time, they probably would approach how they've created their brand very differently. But um, now we know. And so I think the way that Ulta is approaching this, we obviously think uh, is an incredible opportunity for Credo and the brands at Credo. And to be able to have a voice in how they kind of forge their path into clean beauty is a, just a tremendous opportunity for us. Will you talk a little bit about the way that you, you know, kind of set up your stores when you first started doing this? You know, I think they were highly metro stores and places that you thought there was this customer, but now 100 Ulta stores is nothing that's even comparable to that. You know, New York and San Francisco and LA is very different than Tulsa or, you know, Atlanta. Yeah, we can't wait. I mean, it's a great <laughs> way to understand how markets like that, that we would have probably, you know, never looked at just because we're a growing business and every move we make has to be, you know, a home run move because we obviously have investors to answer to. And um, we had to find neighborhoods as we opened Credo stores 
that, you know, our customer was shopping in, that we knew it, that she, we knew that she was there, that she was exercising, eating organic food, investing in her health and really savvy about ingredients, really wanted to know about products like the products that are found at Credo. So, you know, to be able to have exposure in these other markets to really see is clean beauty, um, is there a, such an awareness of clean beauty out there that someone in Tulsa, for example, is like, oh, Credo, or I mean, they probably haven't heard of Credo, but oh, clean beauty, I've heard that term, I want to learn more. And so to be able to test that is, um, I mean, what a great opportunity, you know, so much about, as I was saying earlier, being an entrepreneur is testing and learning. And so to have an opportunity with a retailer like Ulta behind you in some of these markets is, um, it's a great, great test. How do you think that's going to better prepare you also for this inclusivity and diversity conversation that we're happy, happening now? You know, one thing I remember you told us here at Glossy, Annie, which I think is like by far my favorite quote of all time is that clean beauty is too white. So yeah. taking it to these other places, taking it to Ulta, which is a very diverse customer, what do you think that's going to mean for you? Well, I hope that, you know, uh, any customer sees clean beauty on par today with conventional. And I do think there's still work to be done in terms of education uh, about uh, how these how these brands can be just as efficacious as conventional and really stack up to their conventional peers. And by being in an Ulta store and, and being uh, able to open up that conversation and just talk about brands and how they're formulating today, that's the opportunity. That's where you actually say, you know, Priya, here we are standing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, are you interested in ingredients like this? You know, do, do you have an awareness about certain chemicals? To be able to have that conversation is, is huge. Um, so, you know, that for us is it's a big step forward in terms of really making clean beauty mainstream. How do you feel about kind of some of these conversations, especially with the founders that you have who are people of color? Like I know you carry Unsun. I love that sunscreen line, obviously. Uh, Venus Williams' new line. Like what are they kind of um, asking for as a partner, as a retail partner, like for to kind of charge this conversation forward? Well, I think with all of our brand partners, you know, we have very close communication. I think Black Lives Matter, the 15% pledge, all of that has really um, made us as merchants step back and say, you know, we always are, we have four values as a company and one of them is welcoming to all. But what I said to you, or clean beauty is too white, is it, we had a very diverse staff that was, you know, really comfortable being makeup artists to every single skin tone that existed out there, but didn't where the, where the Delta was, was in the offering, you know, they, you know, they're ready to do makeup on a, you know, the very deepest skin tone or the very lightest, but the offering was really lacking. It was for people that look like me. <laughs> and so, you know, what we continue to push for was, um, you know, obviously more depth of shades in complexion as a very first start you know, to us to have come from Sephora where, you know, there were brands like Makeup Forever pioneering in um, speaking to every customer that could potentially walk in the door to not have that was very unacceptable to all of us at Credo, you know, to not shade match every single person that walked in the door. That's a terrible experience for someone. And so, 
you know, we continued to push with our brand partners, knowing that they are, you know, bootstrapping this mainly all of them on their own. You know, none of the brands at Credo are owned by big conglomerates or corporations. These are pioneers and founders doing this all on their own. Um, but also trying to say, you know, if you're going to launch a complexion range, six shades, you can't do it. It's just not acceptable and it's not okay. Um, so, you know, with brands that we have uh, continued to look at and, and say, you know, what well, were we were welcoming to everyone? Like, why, why, you know, would we think about this any differently? But I think what we unintentionally did was say, not say, how many black owned brands do we have? And are we sure we're representing them enough? And are they actually submitting brands to Credo? And if not, why? So were we unintentionally unapproachable? And so, um, you know, that has been, it's, it's been an incredible, you know, kind of like aha for all of us. And, you know, it's one that we want to change. Absolutely. And, you know, by saying, you know, oh, we're welcoming to everybody. That's not the right approach. The right approach was to say, how many black owned brands do we have? And are we representing those brands enough? And so we're just turning it on its head and approaching it a different way now. We don't talk about how some of these, um, topics, I guess, a little bit um, may not have permeated to certain communities. Like, you know, we were talking the other day about the TELT conversation, or we were talking about the sunscreen conversation. I mean, historically, and I can include myself in this and my parents in this, you know, they don't wear sunscreen. We're brown people. We don't wear sunscreen, or my mom really doesn't. And that's a conversation that, you know, maybe culturally wasn't taught to this group of people. So, you know, clean kind of has to do more education than ever in some of these communities. Will you think, will you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, I think again, it's like we meet our customer where she is. I think, you know, for us hiring someone that works at Credo, whether they're on Credo Live or in the store, the most important facet to us is that they're really deeply uh, knowledgeable about skin, skin physiology and ingredients. And, you know, if, if someone wants to come in and buy a red lipstick, Great. But if they want to come in and, you know, really have an in-depth skin consultation, talk about ingredients and ask a lot of questions, they've come to the right place. You know, I remember we opened um, our store on the Upper East Side and we had someone from New York Times there and she said, I love going to Credo because your staff is so educated. I was like, oh my God, like that is the best compliment you could ever have because we didn't want to have an environment where people were standing next to our customer, reading the side of the box along with them. How is that helpful? So, you know, we really wanted them to be a resource for customers. So I think, you know, if someone like your mom came into Credo and said, do I have to wear sunscreen? You know, of course, they're going to say, absolutely, everyone should <laughs> wear sunscreen every day, no matter even if you're not leaving the house. So, um, but that would that conversation would only happen if she wanted it to. You know, we, we very much put beauty first, you know, the, the positive shopping experience first. We've never approached this space of disparaging other brands or making people feel badly about the things they've done in the past or make you feel bad about what's in your makeup bag. It's really about where you are today and, you know, where you have, you know, where you're intrigued or have questions. So it's not about being a hundred percent clean and every product in your makeup bag or every item in your bag. Oh, no, we're not paranoid or obsessive. You know, <laughs> we color our hair, we get manicures. 
I think it's about, um, you know, just making steps forward to support people formulating products the right way. And I think, you know, we have proven by the brands that we carry at Credo, we have about 135 brands. We get like 60 brand submissions at least a month. Um, you know, we're a small team. I think those brands are working really hard and actually being successful at formulating with good for you and good for the planet ingredients. So we know it can be done. It's just more expensive. It's harder. Um, you know, so I think that's why a lot of companies don't do it. And, you know, if you're looking like a big organization, uh, you know, that's, that's, multi-billion dollar organization to like pivot that and actually have them start formulating with more plant-based ingredients or just better ingredients. It's like moving a freighter, you know, to actually make those changes. And it's also accepting that you understand those ingredients could potentially be harmful. And so that's, that's a big one for them to wrap their head around. I know that you, along with a lot of other clean sites right now, um, clean brand sites, are experiencing tremendous online growth. How is that kind of going to play forward with stores and now this ultra partnership? Like, what are you thinking about? Because some people are like, forget the pop-ups, forget the stores, stop paying their rent. Like, you know, they really need to focus on online right now because that's where they think the tide is turning. Yeah, I think... um... I'm not going to lie. It's been amazing to focus on one channel for like a concentrated <laughs> period of time. I think our marketing team is like, well, every day is different and they they uh, change things every day. They're like, God, you just focus on digital. It's been amazing. It's like a little mini break. <laughs> um, but I think we we totally believe in retail still. I mean, we have not walked away from that. Credo is a brick and mortar concept. It's a place that I know people will eventually come back to. Um, you know, these customers are curious and they want to explore and understand these brands. I think what we need to do is understand what that store experience looks like. I wish I had a crystal ball and could tell you how this is all going to unfold after today. But, um, you know, again, our size is serving us well. We have stores that are on average about 800 square feet. So the ability for our teams to really understand how cost customers are feeling how they're interacting with products, how they're doing with limited capacity. And on a Saturday, when we're kind of back in a zone where everybody's starting to feel more comfortable, how do they feel about saying you actually have to wait outside until these people leave and then you can come in? I mean, all of that remains to be seen. Um, testers, I think, always needed a reboot. I think you could talk to any beauty merchant out there and they would agree that testers are gross. They were always gross. <laughs> And beauty was due for a reboot. So I think it's inspiring. I think it's like, you know, it's what, like, like I said, what entrepreneurs love, like, how do we figure this out? Like, what is this next challenge? And how do we take what we've learned from digital and apply it to brick and mortar? Like, think about it, like digital, to your point, for everybody, I think, has done quite well in the space. And so you're, you don't have testers in digital. You're using, you know, for us, Credo Live has been a huge vehicle for us. And our team is using their words to describe products to people. So can we take that and translate that into the store experience? You know, we, we just want to test and try everything. And um, I think we have the space and the people to do that. Like we're, we don't have an 8,000 square foot box store where like, 
you know, we can't control testers and we can't control uh, the customer's interaction with testers and to get feedback of what's actually happening in the stores. It might take a really long time to get that information back. No, we just call Chicago and say, okay, so what happened today? When we open limited capacity, how are customers feeling? What happened? How are they interacting? What were their questions? What were their concerns? So that's, that's huge for us. And it, it allows us to be really nimble too and pivot very quickly. What's that response been like since some stores are, you know, taking the next step? Yeah. So we haven't had anyone open limited capacity yet. Um, and I honestly, the way the numbers are looking today, I don't know that they will um, in the immediate future. I, I certainly hope so. But they've been open curbside. Um, we have started buy online, pick up in store. So that's been huge. And I think for the most part, it's gone very smoothly. We've had some weird instances in our Plano store um, around masks and, you know, the fact that our staff is wearing masks and actually being ridiculed by customers in, in the space that we're in. So that's been a little interesting. Um, and, you know, every, every area is different, but, you know, for us, uh, keeping our team safe and, and following CDC guidelines are, is our primary focus right now. Do you ever think that, you know, retail workers and, you know, retailers would be considered frontline workers now? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, if you told me, Priya, in February, all your stores are going to close and we don't know when they'll reopen and everyone's going to work from home and we're just going to Zoom all day long, I'd say you were absolutely crazy. Um, and to have conversations like we have with our team about returning to work, you know, some of these are very serious conversations. And so, you know, and we don't, we don't take that for granted. I mean, this is uncharted territory. If you talk to any other C-level person in any of your podcasts and they tell you exactly, you know, what's going to happen next and how they're going to handle it, they'd probably (laughs) be doing a little something before your podcast that made them say that. Because, um, you know, I think uh, nobody knows. And this, like how we deal with the unknown and not knowing what's going to happen next is a very uncomfortable place to be. So with that, Annie, you know, when you think about the next six months, 12 months, like, are you, what are you focused on? What is the priority? Are you onboarding new brands? Are you staying straight and narrow? What's kind of the path forward, at least today on June 30th? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell you that, Um, you know, for us, we've modeled a slow reopening of our stores, um, you know, continuing to drive digital, of course, and Credo Live, which is um, what all of our store teams have been um, manning, just like as if it were a store and talking to our customers. Um, And we have not changed our approach in terms of new launches or onboarding new brands our customer is still responding to that. And so they're waiting for newness and uh, really loving it. So that's an important part of our business. You know, our brands have experienced a little bit of supply chain disruption or just an awareness about, okay, well, I was going to launch this and it's probably not the right time. And, you know, we've had a little reshuffling like that. But honestly, you know, Knockwood, nothing tremendously impactful to anyone's business thus far. I hope it doesn't happen. One more question, Annie. You know, one surprise, maybe not a surprise, is just how um, 
fervent this appetite for clean color has become. And, you know, I know you have great relationships with your clean color brands, and that's an area that is much trickier to do than skincare, some would say. So what does that kind of look forward for you guys? Are you planning on doing a lot more there or, you know, seeing how that continues to trend? Yeah, you know, pre-pandemic, again, you know, you heard a lot of retailers talk about sluggishness in uh, color cosmetics, and I'm sure you reported on it and WWD, and that was not what we were experiencing at the time. And so, you know, we had been continuing to say there's a ton of opportunity left on the table in color. And it was really because, um, you know, brands that were formulating in color that we had at Credo were staying in a really safe lane, uh, understandably. You know, they were trying to speak to a customer that I think they thought was the no makeup makeup girl. And, you know, we had a million nude shades of things and there just wasn't, you know, a ton of interest then. And, and brands now are starting to innovate and they're uh, getting a little bit more daring in terms of shades. And then we have new brands coming to market that, uh, like I said, you know, are formulating in a way that um, is very innovative and different, very modern formulas and higher pigment payoff. And so, you know, where we always said our customer is the no makeup makeup girl, she is, but she's bringing a new customer in with her that is looking for fun and color and trend. And now we're starting to finally see that in the assortment that we have. Um, and, but it remains the same Priya. I will continue to say this, as I've said for the last five years, we need, uh, more depth of shade. We need more brands for women of color. And, um, we're going to just keep pounding brands <laughs> until we can get there. Thank you so much, Annie. It was great having you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.